0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 Plus, Age Varies by Jurisdiction, Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.com slash B-ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back after a week off and we're doing it because of superstition. You know, we take a week off and the Lions lose.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I think I think that that says everything. You know, forget pass rush, forget coaching decisions, fake punts. The reason the Lions lost is because we didn't do this show last week, and we are going to rectify that this week. Answering your Lions questions right here, live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit and youtube.com slash at pride of Detroit. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. Detroit Lions beat writer. You can find me at Detroit online with me as always to help us get the lines back in the winning column is the machine is at Eric Schlitt is the managing editor of pride of Detroit. I went out of order this time. Eric Schlitt's here. Eric, <laughs> are you ready to, to atone for our sins here?
2: Yeah. I feel like we have to at this point. Right. Um right. A lot of burden falls on, uh, falls on us for, uh, for the loss. And so uh, let's uh, let's take our medicine and, and get them right back yeah. on the right track. You know, we got to be
1: better. We got to, you know, just take yep. it day by day, one day at a time. One the time nice thing is other is other. I, I like where we're at. Uh, <laughs> we've done this before. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, if this is your first time listening to us or watching us live, uh, we do these generally every week uh, around tuesday during the season wednesdays in the off season but we take your questions live typically on twitter um if you're a pride of detroit direct subscriber sometimes you get to jump the line a little bit as well um but yeah those are the two places you can send us questions also if you join us live we'll answer some questions during the break but let's get into our first set of questions uh the first two are going to surround uh, some injury updates the first of which Uh, an interesting moment from Dan Campbell's press conference on Monday, talking about Jonah Jackson. Uh, Noah Curtis asked, what do you make of Campbell's comments about Jonah telling them he's good to go? Are they being protective of him or is it something else? So I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but it was something to the fact of, I, I don't think Jonah's going to play until he tells me he's ready to play, which Mm. is a very odd way to describe an injury situation because Mm -hmm. usually it's like, Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It depends on how the medicals look or we'll know more later in the week is is one of his recent favorites. But this one, he said, Hmm. once Jonah tells us we're ready, he's ready, then I'll expect him out there. And that. That raised some eyebrows.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, certainly it's an unusual way of uh, of phrasing that. And um, but I, I think this is just Dan Campbell being loose. He was yeah. very loose. He he yeah. was, he was a lot of things that he said at that Monday morning press conference were in the realm of, I like where we're at and bring it on and I'm ready to go. And, yeah. you know, I'm confident and loosey goosey. It was, it was, it was very kind of like him enjoying the week. Like he's, go- he's going back to new Orleans where he won 40 games. Right. And mm-hmm. at, at, in that building. And, and so uh, I think he's excited. And I think you, it, that's, it was just him, I think, being a little bit uh, cavalier, right, with it, like, like just a little, you know. When Jonah feels like he's ready to play, he'll tell me, and I'm a player's coach, and so then when my player says he's ready, I'm ready. I'll, I'll, I'm ready to go as well. I mean, could be a pain management thing, uh, and he's like, "Hey, when Jonah says he can handle the pain and he can go, then I'm ready to put him back in." So, I, I didn't. You're think not reading like him, too that. much of it. No, no, no. I, I think it was just him being like loose and yeah. um Which, being a I mean, player's coach and he's like saying i'm listening to my players when my players are ready then i'm then I'm ready
1: yeah and i think i i might read a little bit more into it but i think there there has to be this distinct possibility that we point out that this is just i mean we're we're trying to parse every single word of a you know, live impromptu speech, right? Like this is sometimes you're going to say things weird. I say things weird all the time on this and um, people shouldn't be reading extra into it. But at the same time, Dan is also a guy who is a bit of a motivator, right? Is a, a bit of a guy yeah. who, who likes to like put things out there every now and then. And part of me thinks this is a little bit of like almost a Deandre Swift kind of, are you going to play <laughs> hurt? Or are you going to play injured? Are you, oh. are you hurt or are you injured type of thing? And I wouldn't put it like I, I, this isn't I don't want to speculate too much because we're just sure. guessing at this point, and And that's not really what we should be doing in this profession. We should be reporting. Um, but at the same time, like we've seen we've I've seen him do things like this before. It, it's very Bill parcelsian where he's just like mm-hmm. he's dropping little things here and there for his players to hear to say, hey, you know, it's it's December now. We need you guys out here. No one's playing 100 percent. Jonah, maybe it's time for you to play 100 percent. Now, I've seen people take this. Way beyond that. And I think that's where people are getting ridiculous. Like I've seen people say like "Jonah's sitting out, he's, he's holding <laughs> out for a contract uh-huh. and, and this is Dan Campbell calling him out for, for holding out. I have no sense that that's what's happening. And it would be also incredibly stupid move from Jonah and his agent for him to decide this is where I'm going to draw the line in the sand in the middle of a playoff run in the middle of a division title <laughs> run to sit out. Yeah, that's going to win favors with this coaching staff. That's going to look good across the league. No, that can't. I mean, if that's what's happening with Jonah Jackson, he needs to get himself a new agent.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I I think it would be out of character for him as well. Oh, Agree to, to, to do that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it it that doesn't seem to match. This seems to be the uh, a habit, I guess, of of some uh, parts of the fan base. They just. Sure. Um, you know, hey, the Lions are going to be signing someone later today. Is it Chase Young? You know what I mean? Like it's right. Like we we tend to our our, our expect, expect It's it's such an unusual season, right? And so like the expectations are all out of whack, right? Like mm-hmm. eight and three last year. If we would have said, Hey, they're going to be eight and three going into the Saints, everybody would have been like, Yeah. But now that the way they started, the way they got there, everybody's like, Oh. <laughs> and so now it's like when we're in the moment, the reactions that people have are we're tending, I'm, we're seeing a lot of extremes, yes. right? Because it's we're not used to winning so we're we're trying to get comfortable being uncomfortable and so people are hesitant and then as soon as one thing wrongs then it's like people are jumping ship and they're like oh no it's the the the, the sky is falling right and so we're overreacting the other way and so get we we we're just i think as a
1: fan base we're just not we're on edge used we're, to. E- yeah everyone is on edge right now Whether it's in the positive or the negative, it's like we're we're all learning. And it's because like we've it's been a very long time since we've had meaningful football in in December. Right. It's been a long. And I think some of us have forgotten that it's it's anxiety inducing. Every single game now is important. And that that takes a toll on you as a fan. I get it. Like, but that's that's the thrill of it. That's the fun of it. And and I think we, (laughs) we need to embrace that rather than like expect that the sky is falling at every little bit of bad news um but speaking of bad news eric zach m on twitter points out what are the adjustments are you expecting on defense if alex anzalone misses time which it certainly sounds like he's going to miss some time uh dan campbell joked on the radio today when they try to push him for a timeline he said uh you know he could he could be back this week or he may be out uh when we play new orleans again next year or something (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be somewhere in between those two times so um yeah I, i i it sounds like at the very least, Alex Anzalone is going to miss this game. If I had to guess, it's probably going to be another game or two after that. We'll see. Mm. But what, what do they do? Um, Anzalone, wow. as as Dan Campbell even said on the radio today, he is their quarterback of the defense. He might not be playing the mic position, but he very much knows everything about the defense. He he certainly barks out orders to players. So how do you replace that? And, and who do you pl- replace that role with? From a
2: schematic standpoint, Mm-hmm. um jack campbell's your mic and yep. and derrick barnes is your will uh this is the this is the default that we've seen them go to when they use those two players in the past fully expect that to happen as well uh they do use three linebackers though so that means probably more time for malcolm in those yep. situations when malcolm's on the field he's exclusively the will uh, when he's on there with jack jack's mic and uh, rodriguez is the will when he's out there with barnes rodriguez sticks at the will barnes flexes to the mic it's one of the beauties of uh of Derek barnes is that ability to flex between the two spots um who calls the plays is going to be interesting my guess is that um it might be some sort of like They may test it out this week to figure it out. Sure, Um, I know that in the past, they've used Jack. They've been trying to train Jack for that. Um, And so maybe Jack still makes the plays, but then maybe Derek makes the uh, in-play audibles, right? Because we've seen Derek Barnes starting to do that a little bit more, even with Anzalone on the field. So those in-play audibles are going to be – interesting because um as we've talked about before they have a they have a layered system right uh, we talked about this uh, uh on the uh on the main podcast yep. um where the linebackers have to make adjustments and the secondary makes adjustments to with them as well and so there'll be a lot of talking probably this week a lot more than maybe we've seen in the past um and even though that's been high um and so we'll see a couple little tweaks here and there I think the most difficult part will be the leadership aspect, you know, and then his play on the field, obviously too, but like the, the leadership of, you know, being able to, there's going to be hiccups in maybe that communication system. There's maybe going to be hiccups in those audibles into, into those minor adjustments. Like those are the things that I worry about with Anzalone being off the field because those are key and they impact you know, just it's a domino effect of of, of how they impacted the defense.
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I do think Jack is probably capable of a lot of the diagnosis and audible and, and that sort of thing, even as a rookie. I mean, he's a very smart player. I think some of the things that he's just lagging behind are post-snap things. It's it's post-snap recognition. It's, you know, not being fooled by the eye candy, that that sort of stuff. In terms of pre-snap stuff, I think that's something he's, capable of doing and, and will probably take on a pretty significant role in a way. It's almost good that this first game is going to be on the road too, because the crowd's not going to be loud Yeah, when they're on the field. Yeah. And so he will be able to properly communicate to all sorts of levels of, 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 the defense that he needs to, um, but, it, but it's going to be a challenge too, right? I mean, this is, it's not a great Saints defense, but it's a Saints defense that, that, that is going to want to run the ball quite a bit. It is going to want to use Alvin Kamara as a receiver. And who's the guy that you would probably trust the most other than Brian Branch to cover Alvin Kamara as a receiver. It's probably Alex Anzalone. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I think, I think in terms of a step back, I'm a little bit more worried about, coverage than I am run defense. I think the other two guys are capable in run defense. Um, I think you do lose a little bit of pe- of your pass rush. We've been saying over the past few weeks, they've really used Alex Anzalone as a, as a blitzing piece. Um, I'm hoping one of those other guys are capable of doing it. They, they certainly aren't shy about trying, but I think Alex was was probably the best of the bunch at that. And maybe that's something that Malcolm comes in on for third down. I think he's something that someone that is capable of being that violent option uh, you know, up the a gap of the B gaps. Yeah.
2: My, my guess is there's going to be two factors that come into play with the coverage thing. Cause I agree. I think Malcolm is the guy that they've leaned on in that role in the past. Yep. Um, the second part will be, can they use Brian branch because of injuries at wide receiver, right? Sure. Michael Thomas is on IR. Yep. Uh, Chris Olave had to leave last game with a concussion. Uh, Rashid Shaheed. Is uh has a quad injury and they're talking about him potentially missing the week. Yep, after him, AT Perry, sixth round rookie, fifth round rookie, something like that. He's got like he gets like I don't know, like 25 snaps a game or 25 percent of the snaps a game. He's got like seven catches on the whole year. Um, Lynn Bowden former uh quarterback at kentucky right (laughs) who's converted to receiver and 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 then you're going to lean on your those tight ends and so if you're leaning on those tight ends is like your third pass catching option or you're leaning on kamara is that that third because you're only having you can only put two say or wide receivers out there right brian branch may just be your best option to match up with your tight end or with kamara and and a lot of it will be that health like Keep, it, keep a close eye on the Saints um, injury report this week because yep. they could be down their top three wide receivers. Potentially. It depends on how fast they get cleared medically, though.
1: Let's uh, stay on the defensive side of the ball here. Zach Scott, uh, Zach Scott 33 on Twitter, asked the defense hasn't been playing at a high enough level early on in games. And with Anzalone out, this could only get worse. How does the defense improve on, quote unquote, scheduled offenses early in game so that the offense isn't always playing in a hole? It's a really good question. And and it's a, a concern yeah. I brought up during the, the podcast, you know, the, the the Packers score on their first two offensive drives, 75 yard touchdown drives each. The Bears scored on their for very first drive. And and yeah, that can set set your whole kind of game plan askew when, when you are fl- <laughs> playing from behind that early. So <clears throat> I don't know what is it? Is it just a matter of like doing something surprising to start the game, doing something that they're not expecting to start the game because – I mean that's probably your best defense, right? Is just doing like being unpredictable out of the gate.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you because the because logic says with those scripted plays that they're going to try and they're going to try in establish a balance right they're going to try and run half the time they're going to try and pass half the time and typically the lion's counter to that is to, to do the contain and so logic says that they're going to come out in contain to try and establish their run defense dominance they're they, they got a top seven unit against the run right they it's all been in that top 10 all year and they want to keep it there so do you blitz Do you you bring pressure from the corner with them having less, uh, you know, pass catching options? Do you then, do you bring Brian branch off the edge? Yes, please. Like, I'd (laughs) I'd like to see that as much as possible.
1: I feel like we saw that a ton in training camp and then like almost none so far.
2: A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Not much like a a couple here and there, but that's about it. Um, Yes. So I, I agree with you. I don't have an answer other than, to surprise them, yeah, to, to, do something yeah, different, right? Yeah, to to knock that rhythm off of its course.
1: And I, I think you have a chance to be a little bit more aggressive this week. I know we all wanted a little bit more against mobile quarterbacks. Derek Carr isn't necessarily that guy. He can scramble a little bit, but I think you can get a little bit overly aggressive on this guy and and make him panic, particularly in the red zone. He's not a, he's a horrible red zone quarterback. And if he doesn't have these wide receiver options, you don't have to be that worried about getting beat over the top. Bring your guys up close to the line. Bring a little pressure, send some run blitzes. If you have to, um, that's, that's the one thing Brian branch is fantastic at that. We have seen So those run blitzes, but just be creative, be aggressive, try to dictate the game a little bit on defense rather than let the defense, let the offense kind of take it to you. That's, that's what I want to see.
2: Yeah. third Worst, uh, red zone scoring team in the, in the league right now. Um, they kick a lot of field goals, which is why, um, I think they have the record that they do. They end up having to, settle for three and seven instead of seven. That'll be a big key for Alliance is to make sure that they're putting it in the end zone yeah. um, when they get the opportunity. But yeah, I, I you got to do something. You got to, yeah. you're going to shake it up. You can't yeah, just, yeah. you can't just, you can't do the, the uh, endurance boxer m- mantra where you right. just are like, I'm going to weather the storm and then come at you later because that's been their approach. And that approach isn't working right now.
1: Agreed. Um, last question before we go to our first break here, uh, Jeremy Glowicky on Twitter, uh, Glowicky or Glowick J on Twitter asks, uh, "Is it time to question whether Dre Bly is a good coach for a secondary, which has a regressed as the season has gone on?" Now these are tough ones. Positional co- like evaluating a positional coach, to me is one of the harder things. Yeah. you can Yeah. From the seat of your pants, because um, one, you're not you're not seeing exactly what they're doing. Two, regression can mean a lot of things, and three. In this particular case, I'm not so certain that the secondary is regressing. Um, I would even look at last game, and, and and Dan has said it a couple times now, like the, the coverage was, ac- was actually not that bad against the Packers. There were a lot of opportunities where they were in phase. There were corners, safeties. Ca- like They just needed to get a hand in there. They just needed to make a play on the football. And and Mm yes, that's a that's a skill. The secondary dairy, that's a skill on your corners that you need to teach. But I'm not viewing it the secondary as in much of a panic as I am the pass rush, which is also very much related to this problem. Right. The pass rush isn't getting there. Well, then suddenly your your corners are are hung out to dry. Now, is Cam Sutton playing at the level that that we wanted him to when they they signed him this offseason? No. Is Jerry Jacobs? I would say Jerry Jacobs is. Playing very close to what I expected him to be, which is good at times, not so good at others. Just an, an inconsistent starter, a guy that's probably better coming off the bench. And Brian Branch is still playing fantastic. I think there are a lot of problems in the in at the safety level, which isn't really Dre Bly's responsibility necessary. That's that's Duker who that's Duker.
2: oversees the whole secondary.
1: Right, right. And but in terms of corners, I'm not sure the Lions are underperforming as much as they just. They don't have the talent and the defensive line is doing them no favors.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I, I do think some of the strategy has been the lines have become predictable uh, yeah. on defense when, when they're going to play zone, when they're going to play man. And so teams are countering that with zone busters and um, quick beaters and man and 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 then with no pressure. When you are getting wins, it's you're getting hurt because it's hard to, you know, cover for that long um, with the zone stuff like you can only you can only be like cover so much space. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and eventually the space just opens. And, and so I don't I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I don't I, I think it's way too early for us to really be able to ascertain uh, what's happening and, and who to blame. Uh, and Bly, I think it's it's really hard to say what he's impacting or not impacting. I think last year you could tell a little bit clearer with Aubrey because there were clear variances in what Aaron Glenn was saying and what the secondary was doing. Right? I don't see that this year. Like for example, they said Aaron Glenn came out and said. We're going to have our defensive backs set the edge, and then fill the gaps in between. And we're going to, and then Amani Ooi did the exact opposite; went back to the old defensive style. Right. And then he's, and then Amani's against not the, lining up. On, right against the Dolphins, he, right?
1: Yeah, well, was, uh, was, yeah. We we're gonna play press. We can't let these guys get a running start. We need to press. And then what do they do in right. the Dolphins' day? And yeah. then he, Amani's way off, right?
2: Yeah. And so, like, there were very clear differences. Yeah. It last year that you can look to and say, man, there was something going on there and, and and it appeared that Pleasant wasn't delivering the message properly. And then that's what happened happened. And so this year, I'm not getting that sense. I'm not getting a sense of like, oh, they're not living up to expectations or they're not doing the things that they're supposed to do. I actually think they are doing the overall vision. I just think the vision needs to be tweaked.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem to me like there's a lot of broken coverages. There was earlier in the season, but I feel like that hasn't been the case so much as, you know, this safety is late getting over or this corner just got beat. And to me, that's that's personnel issues most of the time. Um, Now, now you could also say that some of these corners are maybe a little bit built better for man and they're playing too much zone or you know maybe maybe the coaches aren't putting them in in the best position to succeed in terms of like you said the scheme the play calling things like that but in terms of just execution and things like that which is usually more what a a position coach is 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 is, is, is responsible for those those kind of fundamentals don't seem that bad right now to me and with that let's go to our first break when we come back we're going to talk about another positional coach that maybe not living up to expectation. Uh, we'll also get a little bit into the offense because there are some obviously issues on that side. But for now, let's take a quick break. When we come back, all of that and more here on the Midweek Mailbag. we are back here on the midweek mailbag myself, Jeremy Reitzman and Eric Schlitt answering your Lions questions here. Uh, we just got done talking about the secondary and maybe some coaching issues that maybe we don't think is necessarily there, but the other issue facing the defense is the defensive line is the pass rush. So let's go to a question here from uh, Toledo, Ryan, Detroit in Toledo, whatever. Ryan, we get questions from him all the time uh, asks, Is the D-line being coach-schemed different this season? I know it's a new D-line coach, John Scott Jr., but this regime has decided to pay Harris, Romeo, Quara, Kaminsky. What happened to all of them? Uh, And we we just got done talking a little bit about this um, with our off-air audience. Um, it, it, It has been kind of a drastic change in those guys' production, right? A guy like Charles Harris, who was such a key member of your defense, is now playing... 10 to 15 snaps to the 10 to 20 snaps a game while he was playing 30 to 40 in the first half of the season. Romeo Quara is barely playing at all. Even Kaminsky, like no, nobody's talking about Kaminsky anymore, but also they shouldn't be talking about Kaminsky anymore because he's not doing anything uh, of no. And and maybe that's a reductive way to, to describe how he's playing, but what's your take on this? Eric is, is, is there coaching things to blame that, all these players have regressed. Is there something they're doing different schematically that has made these guys more or less effective? Is it a a combination of the, is it these players just getting older and less effective? What's going on in your opinion?
2: In my opinion, it's the schematic approach that is really the, the catalyst for, I think a lot of the lacking of production that they get that, or that they're getting from the defensive line right now. Um, Early in the season, we saw them incorporate a lot more Charles Harris. We saw them incorporate more James Houston. Uh, and that introduction of, of lighter, more uh, quicker pass rushers was an approach to try and be more aggressive. Since then, uh, in the, over the last several games, we've seen the Lions utilizing more bigger run stuffers because they've been prioritizing stopping the run Um at, at a at a very high level and while they've been productive doing that they've done it at the cost of of uh getting getting home on the quarterback right because the, the pressures are getting there they're just getting there late it's taking too much time and so we're seeing a lot more bland bigger bodies trying to just jam things up and so i think like the lack of production from um Kaminsky is because they're asking him to do the dirty work, right? right? That's what he's good at. It's the same thing with Pascal. You look at Pascal yep. and you're saying, man, Pascal's not doing much. Well, it's because that role of that closed end that Pascal and Kaminsky are playing right now are edge setters, run stuffers, and just jamming things up for everybody else to to, to get production. And they're not this explosive bend the edge type, type of guy. And they don't have that. We've talked about this last couple of weeks, couple other podcasts. Like they don't have that opposite, that Ben Edge setter, that Ben the Edge guy that's opposite of Aiden Hutchinson. And so I think one of the reasons they've switched to this is because they prioritize the run. Another reason is, is because you're not getting production out of those lighter guys. You're not yeah. getting production out of Charles Harris, Julian Aquara, Romeo Aquara, right? Like you're not. Those if they if they were getting production out of those guys, you would see what you saw earlier in the season, which is a a hybrid front that alters between how they utilize Aiden and and, in switching between aggressive attacking and then stuffing the run instead, with no one other than Aiden really stepping up uh, on those edges, you've seen them go to this is kind of basic approach, which is you know, stuff the run on one side and then pass rush on the other and then introduce a Sam and hope the Sam can do something. And with no James Houston around that Sam's really not doing anything and they've tried different guys and it's not working, but they don't have a whole lot of options to get pass rush outside of what they're doing. So, Will we see an introduction of a new guy? Will James Houston come back? Will Bruce Irvin be the answer? Like, I don't know. I think they're willing to continue to try doing things to, to, to figure this out. But they've basically fallen into this basic kind of uh, non-aggressive approach to the front which is really like not fun and it's it makes it harder on everybody. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and, it's- and But I don't, but my point is, is I think they, there's two factors. One, I think they've, they've gone to this because it's their best, which isn't saying a whole lot, but two, um, they almost had to go to this, right. right? Like, because of what their overarching approach is to, to, to
1: scheme. Right. It they, They've gotten to a point where, their best chance of getting off the field is to stop the run on first and second down and hope the offense makes a mistake on third down. Like that's, that's kind of what their approach is right now because, and and I think you did a good job tackling it there. I think there's a perception out there that the lions are not doing. That Aaron Glenn is not making any changes. He's just sitting on his hands. It's the same thing every week. It's boring. It's, you know, he's They're, they're not trying anything new. No, they've, they've rotated guys at that edge position, at that Sam position, Jack position, whatever you want to call it. They've been trying everything under the sun there. They tried Jack Campbell there. They called, they tried Derek Barnes. There, tried there, they tried Julian no They tried Charles Harris there. They've rotated those guys and, and fluctuated their snap counts. Almost every single week, it looks different and nothing works. And so I, I think you're right. I think they've fallen back on this thing where it's just like, all right, let's just stop the run. Let's just, let's just see if we can stop the run. And then maybe only McNeil gets a pressure on third down and we'll be fine. The problem is, and Dan Campbell talked about this on the radio today, is the Packers know that the Packers know the only guys that are going to pressure them are Lee McNeil and Aiden Hutchinson. And who are they giving double teams and extra chips to? And those two guys. And then it's up to that that edge guy that, that is getting single coverage or one on one block. It, you got to win your one on one. We've heard that all season, too. And so if you're wondering why the Lions are struggling with pass rush, it's there. Now, can they get a little bit more aggressive and send some linebackers, send some defensive backs? Yes. And they've done that at times. They did it in the the final quarter of the Packers game, and it worked. So maybe they need to incorporate that a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive. But I think this idea that the Lions have just sat on their hands and they need to, you know, give these guys more opportunities. How are you supposed to free up Aiden Hutchinson when no offensive line in its right mind would take away resources away from him right now?
2: Yeah, there's not a great answer, um, because the talent is what it is. Yeah, you're you're hoping you can return, guys, and so with the talent being what it is, you're going to have to get creative schematically in order to 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 create pressure, or you're going to have to win your one on ones. I mean, that's something you've said for you know a All month seasons. now, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, um go ahead. Yeah, it's it's no, I was no, it's I was just gonna say it's 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 a it's a it's a result of I think teams starting to figure things out. And so if teams are figuring you out, you've got to be creative in keeping them off guard.
1: Yep. And that's why the job is Aaron Glenn's and not ours. So if we don't have any good ideas. If we did have good ideas, we'd probably getting, be getting a lot more paid than than we currently are. But uh, let's move to another kind of schematic question here from Nemlo, Nemloin, a spherical chicken in a vacuum on Twitter, Asked, on the fifty-three yard pass from Love to Watson, the very first offense to play the game, the lines yeah. had Kirby Joseph in the box and Tracy Walker is a single high safety. Why? And also, how hmm. much? Uh, how often did they do that? And also, why? Do they enjoy forcing <laughs> players outside of their comfort zone? Why? Well, here's the thing. Um, we've,
2: we've talked about this before uh, with the safeties, and and they want their safeties to be interchangeable and because of the split zone scheme that they run. So the two safeties set up in their high positions, and then pre-snap, depending on what the read is, they may stay there if they're going to be in cover two, uh, or they may rotate. And if they rotate, one of them will drop to the box and one will stay at single high, which safety drops is completely dependent on how the offense sets up. Right. So like, it's possible that the, uh, the Packers came out in a certain set where they're saying, we're expecting Kirby to be the one who drops if we line up in this formation. And then that way they got the, the match that they wanted with Tracy shifting deep. It's also possible that it just happened to go into that, but I've gone on record and said, I think that first play Was completely purposeful because they wanted to stretch the secondary in order to uh, set things up for them for their entire the entire rest of their game plan. And so, could they have looked at that and said, "Hey, we're going to we're expecting the Lions to come out in this defense. Let's set the formation up where we think we're going to get Kirby dropping down and Tracy back." And then they wanted, and then that was their approach. The Lions don't want to play the whole secondary is not designed on matchups it's does it's supposed to be where you can pass guys off from player to player and you and you do your job in your either in your quadrant or you take your man but you should be able to it it keeps you from playing chase right like instead of having when you're one-on-one you have to chase guys all over the field when you play this split zone you're basically passing guys off and you're not chasing them you're letting guys run into your area and then you're able to adjust to it communication is important and you can you do this with universal safeties and so that's what they think they have and they they tracy has played a lot of single high in his career but he just he wasn't deep enough on that play yeah and so i think that's that's their approach. I don't expect that to change. And I and so can teams set them up where they think that they can get Tracy deep? Maybe. It's possible. And if, and if they keep doing that, well, lines need to be aware of that and then maybe make adjustments.
1: And and to be clear, the reason you do stuff like that is to make your defense unpredictable. Because right. it, it, I mean if you if you're like, all right, we're just going to have Kirby play free safety all the time or, and we're going to have Tracy play box safety all the time, Defenses can attack that in ways that you want. But if you have guys that can do both, you don't know when both are standing deep, you don't know who's going to come in and play in the box and who's going to be the, the the single high. And that's important. It's important to be able to be unpredictable. The question is, I mean, the, the problem is you have to have the personnel to do that. Is Tracy Walker capable of being a deep safety? You're right. He has a ton of experience doing it. Is it his specialty? Certainly not. He's, he's more of an aggressive run defender. So then the question becomes, are you putting your players in the best position to succeed? Maybe, maybe not. There's an argument to be had there, but I think, I think the lions have enough faith in Tracy Walker to be better at that. And, and let's be clear. It is not just Tracy Walker. I mean, Kirby has been just as bad, if not at worse at being that single high at being that deep zone defender. They're both having serious issues with it with this and the most disappointing thing about it happening on the very first play against the Packers is that we were, were told all week that their main focus on defense was to stop the deep ball and the very first play they go out there and get him. that was that that was incredibly frustrating and that to me is very concerning too that you spend an entire well not an entire week but you spend a shortened week telling your players hey Take this away, and the Packers can't do anything. Hey, take this away, then the Packers can't do anything. In the very first play, you, you fail that. That's to me, that's a condemnation of the coaching staff not being able to communicate that message to their to the team well enough, or not teaching it well enough. Obviously, there's there's some onus on the players to receive the message, receive the game plan, and and and, and execute. But the very first play, my God, like that's when you're awareness for that sort of thing should be at the absolute highest. Anyways, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Next question here comes from Ashley, David Soden asks what impact will Irvin have on the pass rush? If he's actually active on Sunday, would it be fair to judge him on his own stats or should we be looking out more how he opens things up for other players?
2: I think, and again, this is just speculative, but If you look at how they've utilized like James Houston in the past in that role, initially they just cut him loose and said, your job is to go get the quarterback. And so I, that's what I'm expecting with urban. I'm expecting them to say, we're going to put you out there situationally to rush the passer. That's what we want you to do. Your job is to go get the ball. And so initially I think we can judge him on his stats. Um, Sure. Does, is he getting pressures? Is he getting to the ball? Couple games in, if he gets promoted to the active roster, they start using him all the time. You know, they're going to expand his role the more he plays or the more he contributes initially though. Yeah. I think it's going to be cut it loose. And so I think it's fair to judge him on uh, if he gets to the ball. Yeah. Now, I mean- I'm, my, my, I'm going to say my expectations though pretty low yeah not not very high but i'm
1: hoping right i mean we just got done talking about how the defense is currently set up to favor players like bruce Irvin to to have those guys be in one on one situations and i think bruce Irvin is going to be a third down specialist you're going to see him pin his ears back on third down and and let him go and and i I mean i have no idea what to expect he's going to be on a new team probably a little bit of a defensive scheme that he's used to different players next to him. But yeah, I think he's going to see a lot on one-on-one. So it'll be up to him to, to win those one-on-ones. Now is a 37, 38, 30, whatever he is capable of still doing that on a consistent basis, coming off the bench, having not played at all this season, man, I don't know, but I, I I'm eager to find out because nothing else is working. Romeo's not working there. Chuck's not working there. Let's, I mean, again, this is them trying something new and, and I'm all for it. It's a guy who at least was capable of this, doing this role at some point in his career. Thing is, I don't expect it to grow. I think he is going to, for, for the last six games of the season that he is James Houston. He is the guy that's getting 10 to 15 to maybe 20 snaps a game, trying to just pure pass rush. See what happens. He's 36, 36, but I was thinking about myself. I'm 37.
2: No, but like the crazy thing is, is like from a perspective standpoint that I only thought of this because um, he's on the Seahawks, but Cliff Avril is uh, Averill is 37. Like he that, that's that's where he's at. Like, I, I, right. Yeah. So, um, yes. Now, he's superhuman. And, you know, according to Dan Campbell and stuff. So sure. hopefully hopefully you you're looking at if he's able to be that good health wise uh and be in that good of shape hopefully the experience takes over right nice. that's what you're that's what right. you're hoping for yep. you're hoping that he does have superhuman genes and he has 15 years of experience and that can get you a sack or in a couple of pressures each game
1: that's hope. So. Uh, I did promise that we were going to talk about the offense and it turns out we're going to wait until the very last question of the podcast to talk about the offense. <laughs> Understandably. So people are anxious about the defense. I get it. Uh, lines main, uh, at lines, main three, one, three asked realistically, does it make sense to extend golf with Hendon hooker in the fold? Does golf have any leverage for next year? So we, we did get a handful of, of Hendon hooker questions, which again, understandable. It sounds like, lines are finally going to start his clock this week uh that hasn't been made official but maybe mm-hmm. by the time you're listening to this on Wednesday it will have happened it sounds like he's probably going to practice on Wednesday now this happens to coincide with Jared Goff having six turnovers in the past two games let's <laughs> let's be clear here though that is a complete coincidence that is not like uh-oh Jared Goff is struggling let's start the <laughs> clock on on Hendon Hooker um <clears throat> But this is this is an important six weeks for him, right? This is this is a, an evaluation time. This is a, a a development time. This is the first time they're going to be able to have their their hands on him in terms of being on the field and and, and coaching him up. They've only really been able to have coach him up via the film room. Can't do it on the practice field. So it, it's important. It's big. The problem is we don't know. And, and Dan Campbell told us, too, we don't know what the end goal is for a guy like Hendon Hooker. We don't know if it's, hey, can you be a <laughs> probably not a good time to use him as, as an example, but a Josh Dobbs type where you can come in and give us a spark if we need to as a backup. Or. Is there a higher track here? I don't think the lines are going to find out that answer by the end of this season. They probably won't. I mean, maybe by the time of next season. And so I still think they're going to have to make a decision on Jared Goff. And I don't think that Hendon Hooker factors into it at all.
0: I think
2: he could uh, factor into it because
1: my, my perception
2: on the Jared Goff situation is it, it is a little different than yours uh, because he is under contract next year. And I know that the, the, uh, you know, standard set of procedures here is to extend the quarterback when he's in the final year of his contract because you don't ever want to be left without your quarterback i don't know if you have to do that with jared goff um the reason that they're activating hooker now in my opinion is they want to get a little bit of a look at him. but i'm also with you i don't think they're going to 6 weeks is going to give them enough. And actually let's be honest, it's probably going to be more like 8 weeks because it's, you know, the playoffs and stuff, right? Sure. Uh maybe longer. Uh <laughs> so they'll so they'll get a couple of months of looking at him. And um will that be enough? Probably not. Right. Cause he's not going to really have a whole lot of meaningful football that he's going to play outside of practice. Right. They're still going to have to actually practice and prepare for games, which means Jared's still going to get the majority of the snaps with the ones. It's not like you're going to, you know, put him off to the side so you can get a look at Hendon. Right. So you're not going to get, I don't think you're going to get a full evaluation of is Hendon your quarterback of the future but i do agree with the fact that you, they're going to have a better idea of maybe where he is like can is the potential there is the spark there now that we have eyes on him let you know how does he look is 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 there what what's the level of potential we think could be there that could give you another year like to, to make a decision because you always have the franchise tag. And I know there's a risk inherent risk with that. And the price goes up and there's all kinds of things that go in, but you always have the franchise tag. If you need it, you could always work on a contract that off season uh, the 2025 off season. So I'm not as married to the fact that a Jerry Goff contract needs to happen. I know that's what most, Likely, would it's going to be on the table this off season? Right. I just don't know if it absolutely has to happen. Like, well, I think there's a little bit of wiggle room.
1: I, I, I kind of agree with you. Here's, here's where I think I separate though is like, in theory, everything you just said makes sense. They don't have mm-hmm. he's under contract neither. You don't have to rush to an extension for any sort of reason. But everything I know about this regime. Is that they love Jared Goff, that they trust Jared Goff, that they think he sure. is capable of being their franchise quarterback, not just this year, not just next year, but probably beyond that. And so if if, if I'm just predicting it, what's going to happen, I mm-hmm. think there's a pretty darn good chance he gets at least a two-year extension next year. And and that that's what I'm basing this all on. Is that mm-hmm. is everything this this franchise has done for Jared Goff to to support him to praise him, and none of that has ever really rang false. I think we thought so at the beginning, but as we've seen them develop, as we've seen Jared Goff develop, and all the resources they've poured into making him a better player, everything they've said about this guy is we love him, we we think he's our quarterback, we think he can lead us to the promised land, and I don't think two months of practice is going to be like, you know what, maybe Tendon Hooker time. I, I just, I don't. And this is this is the conundrum. I think I brought this up when they drafted him. It's like they they're gonna be at this crossroads in 2024 with Jared Goff, and they're not gonna know what they have behind him with Hendon Hooker, which is why I'm hoping if they're giving Jared Goff an extension, which I think they will, it's gonna be on the short end. It's gonna be like a two-year deal. So that now after that, like by the time you get to the end of that contract, which I know that's gonna be what, 2026, 2027, then you're gonna have a full idea of what you have in. Hendon hooker, and then you can decide on that last year of his deal, whether you want to keep him around or turn it over to Hendon. I mean, this is this is how some really good franchises work their backup quarterback situation, right? Like, this is, this is a very Packers-esque way of like, you're going to sit on the bench for three years, Hendon. And then after that, we're going to decide whether it's time to give you a shot or we're going to decide, you know what? Jared Goff has already won us two Super Bowls. Maybe you can win us a third. It's, it's going to be it's going to require a lot of patience and it's going to it's going to milk one of the best parts about drafting Hendon Hooker, which is having a quarterback on a rookie scale on a rookie contract. But this is this is the the deal they signed up for. I'm a little bit hesitant
2: to think that he'd take a two year deal. Um, Maybe when you look at the contracts like last season. hmm stidham Like stidham got a Casey Keenum. Those are the guys that got two-year deals, right? Sure. Um, Gino got a three-year deal. Um Gino got a three-year deal, Derek Carr got a four-year deal. Daniel Jones got a four-year deal. <laughs> my dude, guess okay, is okay, but
1: dude, are either of those teams saying, Oh wow, we made a great move signing Daniel Jones and Derek Carr for four years. But my point is, is I, I agree with you from your perspective, right? Is that
2: you're like, hey, let's just get them for two. From Jerry Goff's perspective, he's going to be like, hey, the market says four. Yeah.
1: And you're I right. think
2: that could be yeah. a problem. Uh, because I think they're not going to be too far away on money. I think that they're going to start out far away because that's what you do in that's negotiations. Right. You start out far apart. That's that's why you have them. But I think the years might be potentially tricky yeah Yeah. because the lions aren't going to want to hitch themselves to him necessarily for like multiple years but i think he is going to want to right like he's 29 and he they have him under contract through age 30 yep at age 30 if they give him a two-year deal he's 32 when his contract is up he might want one. I mean, I don't know. Would he want a 32 and then he gets a double dip or would he want a, to get to 34 and then be like, cool, I'm feeling much better. Like he's going to I think he's going to be pushing for a longer deal. Of course. And, I mean, in the lines. Yeah,
1: this could I, be I his last a chance to, to really, truly cash in. It, it, it really depends on how the next six weeks go. It depends on you know, the trajectory of the team and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, of course, he's going to push for more years. It, it makes sense mm. to always push for more years in this league, especially when you've had such a tumultuous season or career as Jared Goff has had, right? You're going to mm. want to be locked up for as long as possible because who knows? Who knows where this kid... Like, it seems like every six weeks, everyone's opinion on Jared Goff changes. So lock yourself up long-term. I I, I certainly get the temptation. It, it's a really interesting, really... Layered and and tricky situation, and a lot of it it'll, it'll depend on you know what how they finish the season and I guess however much information you you can get out of Hendon Hooker in the next two months. But with that, I think we'll close out the podcast. Thank you everybody for listening. A reminder that our Movember campaign is coming to a close. We have one week left. We are going through the beginning of January. Our big charity uh, marathon stream is. Tuesday next Tuesday, December 5th we're gonna have a whole bunch of guests. it's going to go from 8 a.m Eastern to midnight on our twitch page on our YouTube page we're going to try to raise as much money for the Alzheimer's Association our our eBay our, our auctions are also coming to a close this t- this Thursday, the 30th, the end of the month. So make sure you go to pridedetroit.com look for our auction page. see if you want to get in on that. But until then for Eric, I'm Jeremy, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.